anything else you want to touch on before we go on to John the Baptizer? No? Okay. Verse 22. Um, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Uh, Now discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear with me that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who is the bride, uh, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. We'll stop there. Um, One thing I always really liked uh, and admired, I'll do this real quick and I'll let you guys jump in. Um, I always really liked and admired the fact that, I mean, the humility that we see in John the Baptist, he was, um, he was confident and aware in what, his calling was and what his role was. And he was aware even like from the onset when he first met Jesus. I mean, obviously his John's disciples had been asking if he was the Messiah and he said, no. And we see other instances where people are asking and, and John says, no, but he knows that he is the one that is, is uh, the voice in the desert that's crying out. And so we see, several times here and specifically in these verses that uh, they're asking again and it, it almost sounds like maybe john's disciples were a little i don't know if jealous would be the right word but they're noticing that people are going to jesus instead of going to john or they're going over to jesus and his disciples instead of going to john and john was very good at he just he knew like that's not my role that's not what I'm supposed to do. Um, he he was confident that Jesus was the Messiah, and he was was good with that. Um, so the the humility, I think that we see in John the Baptist is is good, and I think it's something we can all really glean from, or glean something from. Oliver uh, just pointed at or. Aubrey pointed at you, Jess. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just whenever I read verse twenty nine, it just it's so I don't know. It just makes me smile. Um, I feel like if we if we as believers like, um, I don't know. This is kind of how I I thought of it but like we as believers and followers of Jesus 
Um, it's weird because like we're his, we're his bride, but at the same time, I guess you could put yourself in the shoes of like the best man, right? Like being being a friend of God and like just standing there and pointing pointing people back to Jesus, like giving him the reward of his of his suffering. Um, but I don't know. I really like that verse just because I feel like you could wear many hats in that verse. Like, oh, I'm I'm the bride, but I'm also the best man. <laughs> I don't know. Does that if that makes sense? But um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It is always just a joy to, uh, you know, be be a daughter of the king, but also be an unworthy servant of the king. So to be loved by him and then to also serve him, it's it really is a joy, like John the Baptist said. So. Aubrey? Yeah. Um, um, so what you were saying was, uh, so actually in the Hebrew culture, the friend of the bridegroom would bring uh, the bride uh, to the bridegroom. Um, and yeah, so the best man would bring the bride to the bridegroom. And so in the, yeah, what you were saying was like, we are like that best man in the sense of we're pointing people to Jesus, which is why John Baptist always just pointed people to Jesus and never to himself. Um, so in the same way, we are, yes, the bride, but we're also bringing the lost to uh, the bridegroom because that's what he desires. And uh, I also just love that um, what Jesse was saying about John the Baptist's humility, about how uh, he had so much humility to always point to Jesus and never take the attention uh, for himself, but always point back to him. Like when some of his disciples were kind of jealous that people were going to Jesus instead of John the Baptist. I think that's an issue in so many ministries uh, today that they get so competitive. Like we need to have more people come to our church than goes to your church, or we need to have people more giving to our ministry than they are giving to yours. We need to have more in our salvation count than they have in their salvation count. Like it's a whole competition when you're really on the same team. All you're doing is just trying to bring people to Jesus. So what I love is that John the Baptist really exemplifies, I'm going to celebrate um, his accomplishments because that's the whole purpose. Like my whole purpose is just to point to him. So why would I want to bring people to myself? Um, I also just love that Jesus uh, was baptizing people because <laughs> it just brings us back to the whole repentance things. That was Jesus's message too. Not just John the Baptist's message, but Jesus's message was, believe and repent. That is what salvation is, is to come to him, to believe, repent from your sins and turn to him. Um, and I just love verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Because uh, that's, that's all it is, a, is about. We die to ourselves, and then he raises in his life. And I just love that. I don't think I have anything to add on to that. Um, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll go to verse 31. And this, we will finish up chapter 3. Um, okay. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. 
Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Uh, this again, it kind of strikes back to what I was saying as far as like how we view the whole idea of people going to hell, especially at the end, that last verse uh, 36, uh, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see the life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So it's a thing that is already there and believing in Jesus, um, and not just like a passive, yes, Jesus existed. Um, but just, I mean, when we, when we talk about it in this way, belief, we're talking about what's required for salvation, but believing in Jesus is what removes God's wrath from us. Um, that's what allows us to be, be able to be in the presence of God. Um, but that's, that's, there's really no way around it. That's how it has to be because if God is truly good and perfect, um, he has to be polar opposite of what is sin. And, uh, that's why it ends up, you know, hell, the reason hell is so bad is because it is a complete removal from God. Even here. You know, on the earth now, we have um, some measure of God here. Even if you're not uh, a believer, you have some measure of God here around us. This is a world that he created for us. This is uh, kind of a, I don't want to say an in-between, um, but a, a temporary thing until we get to that final where it's either all the way one way or all the way the other way. Um, so there is kind of a, I think one of the reasons why it's it's not as I don't know, hell on earth here is because we still have that that measure of God here kind of amongst us. And uh yeah, and that's where I, I do think you can see like people that the further they get away from God, the further they kind of distance themselves from a relationship with God. You can, you can kind of see that even hearing people talk. Um, I've done, Oh, um, so I've been doing several interviews here recently. Um, we have a series that's going to be coming out in January and it's going to be about, um, it's kind of like testimonials. Um, so people that have gone through something or God brought them out of something or something like that. Um, and there are a couple that have been like crazy impactful. I mean, they've all been, they've all been good, but there's one, um, uh, a lady who she was actually sold into, uh, human trafficking when she was a little girl. Um, but hearing her, like what she went through and how, kind of she described that feeling of 
distance from God or just no God whatsoever in her life. And then the contrast to when she did find God finally, um, I, I do think you can see people that, that have that separation and then they end up finding God in their own lives. I do think that they can see a difference just simply being in his presence or just simply having that relationship. Um, that makes sense. I kind of went on for a little bit, but all right, you guys, the one you want to jump in. Sure. I will. Um, I heard someone say the other day that, uh, the only hell as like a Christian, anyone, um, as a Christian will experience is like here on earth. Uh, and I thought that was a good, almost kind of perspective. Uh, cause it's not, it's not hell, but like, it's the closest thing as a Christian that you will get to hell. Yep. Oh, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a good perspective to kind of see like, yeah, that like hell really is that like separation from God, but you actually have no other chance. Like here on earth, we're giving countless chances and in hell it's like, you're done. Like you're there for, for at literally eternity. Yeah. It's not just how we exaggerate forever, but like, I know I do that. Oh, this is taking forever. No, like that's literally eternity. You're there. And I just can't even imagine, like, I know there's times in my life where I've been like, felt so distant from the Lord. Um, I mean, probably before I gave my life, life to Christ, but I thought I was saved. Um, and, but you feel so distant from the Lord and you feel like so empty. And then when I actually gave my life to the Lord, I was like, oh, this is, this is what salvation actually looks like and how there's so much joy and peace in it. And uh, so I do like how in verse 36, it, like, it really like emphasizes like, like you, you basically choose, you choose that eternity. Like, yes, God is the judge, but it's based off of what you decide. Do you choose him or will you choose to be separated him, from him for eternity? Um, yeah. I also like how in verse 34, it says the Lord does not uh, give spirit uh, by measure or in that version, it says without, he gives the spirit without measure. So I think sometimes a lot of people can, um, I know I have myself judged uh, like your calling compared to someone else's or how the Lord's using someone else. Um, and then you're like, well, why isn't he using me like that in a way? And I honestly, it's all based on your, your willingness if you're yielded to him, are you allowing him to use you? And honestly, what your calling is, because all callings are different, of course. Um, but he does the same spirit that lives in you lives in that person. And so like he he uses you based on your obedience and your willingness to be used in your in your intimacy with him. Um, are, are you spending time with him, you know, every day? Are you um, drawing near to him? As I've I've heard it said that you're as near to the Lord as you want to be. Because if you want to be near to him, then you're going to continually try to draw near to him and spend time with him daily. And I think there's a lot of people that I've met that have been like, oh yeah, of course I want to be near to the Lord. But then they don't ever spend time with him or read their Bible or anything. So obviously there's not that desire, that hunger in them that's provoking them to do so. Um, that's kind of a tangent, but yeah, yeah, you can go just. <laughs> amen. Amen. Um. I was just going to highlight verse 35 where it says the father loves his son. Um, 
that when I heard that, it just like, you know, a few verses before we read John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world. And late now later we're reading that uh, the father loves his son. So when God gave his son for us, it's not like, it's not like it was something easy for him. Well, <laughs> it's not like it didn't hurt him because he also loved his son, you know, like that was his, his only son. Like he loved him so much. And that's just how much he loves us that he was willing to give the one that he loved so that he could get all the other ones he loves. That's a, that's a weird way to put it, but I don't know if that makes sense, but um, <laughs> I'm kind of baffled right now, but um, what else was I going to say? I forgot. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> um, yeah, that just blows my mind. Like, the father loves the son and the father loves his creation, us humans, so much that he was willing to give the one that he loves. I already said that. But also we read in in Hebrews, I believe it also says that uh, he counted it all joy. Like it was all joy for him to give his son. Like it, it was it was the son's joy to give his life for us. Like that just blows my mind that it was his joy to endure the cross for his enemies that just blows my mind so let that sink in no that's uh i was actually just talking with um uh another guy today about kind of that whole idea of um we were talking specifically about the kind of the cross and how that is now such a, a stark difference to what it symbolizes now is such a difference to what it symbolized uh, previously. Um, and that is a, a powerful, powerful thing. Um, I think it's, it's, to, to really think about it, really comprehend it. Um, you know, the cross was something that people genuinely feared. They were afraid of. It was, it was intended to be um, intimidating, daunting, uh, brutal. The thing was, crucifixion was not supposed to kill you. The crucifixion didn't kill you. Um, it was designed to inflict as much physical pain as possible without killing the person. Now, what would end up happening is um, with how they were hanging, in order for them to um, breathe in, they would have to push off of their feet. Well, their feet was nailed into this piece of wood, and so it was painful anytime they did that. But what would happen is they would they would have these when your people would be crucified, you'd hang there and you would hang there for hours, um, sometimes days. And then finally, when it was time for you to die, they would take the, uh, the shaft of the spears that they had and they would literally smack the shins of the people being crucified until their shins broke. 
And so they could not lift themselves up off of the, the cross anymore to breathe in. And so they would suffocate. Um, and so there was a lot of fear that was instilled just from this, this image of the cross. And that's what Rome intended with it. And that's what they used it for. And it was very, very effective at that. But how much does it go to show? And this, this ties in, I think, well with verse 36, talking about, um, so it, it's whoever believes in the son is eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So it's talking about the authority that the father has that he has given to Jesus over everything. And this includes death. Um, and so that symbol that was intended to strike fear into the hearts of people all over, but especially when we get to uh, Nero, um, who would literally light his barbecues in his backyard off of Christians that he was burning alive for entertainment. Um, this man, and then... Christians in the Colosseum um, even imagine sitting there and waiting, waiting for this gate to go to open up so that you can walk out and be eaten alive by wild animals. Um, all of that tied into the symbol of the cross, and one I think is a really powerful image now. Um, and I'll when I'm editing, I'll put a a picture of it up on the screen but if you go to the coliseum now they do have the section blocked off where where caesar would have sat and in that spot now is a cross and that cross was put there by uh i don't remember which one it was it was one of the popes um, but they actually put it there as a remembrance of all the Christian martyrs that had lost their lives in that Colosseum. So to show the power and authority that Jesus had over everything up to and including death, the symbol that struck fear into the hearts of so many people for so long is now known worldwide as a symbol of hope, of grace, of uh, uh, redemption, of a promise that we have. Um, that's just, I mean, amazing to me to even think about that something like that would be turned around in such a drastic way. Um, but, man, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, almost gets me emotional. Um, all right, man, praise God. That reminds me of, um, I was reading, uh, this commentary about how, so bef this is not in the verses we read, but right before it, it talks about the brazen serpent and how just as the brazen serpent was lifted up, so is Jesus lifted up. And, uh, I was reading about how, so the serpent was cursed in the garden, yet God used a cursed, like, 
animal to bring healing. Like, well, actually, this animal is actually so that it, the serpent bit the Israelites. And then he used the cursed serpent to bring healing to uh, the Israelites when they would look at this brazen serpent. And in the same way, Jesus took, like, the, God said that it would, a crim- the cross was a curse. Like, sin is a curse. He, so he took on. Everyone who cur- hangs on a tree is cursed. Yes. He took on, he took on that. And then God turned that around to bring healing to us, salvation to us. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's just like Jesus, he defeated death by death. And he, and then he's like, and what's so crazy is like, I mean, then you think about all the things like he's a king, yet a servant. He's the beginning, yet the end. Like, how does that like even make sense? But that's who he is. He's and all, he's everything. All in all, he's everything. It's so crazy. <laughs> Man, that is good. We talked about it a little bit, I think, on the last one. Um I think it was the last one we did. Um, yeah, because it's when he's talking to Nicodemus. He says, just as uh, Moses lifted the serpent up in the desert, so the Son of Man shall be lifted up. And I think there's a, a little bit of a double meaning there, talking about, yes, like physically on the cross, um, that he had to be lifted up there. But, um, you know, if Jesus was crucified and nothing else happened after that, then we have no hope. We have no anything. And so more than just being lifted up and crucified, um, being lifted up in resurrection and being lifted up in his, his final ascension back into heaven. So, I mean, there's definitely some, um, some foreshadowing there. Um, and that's how we've talked about it several times too, but just the connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament are nuts to think about how many there are and how like perfectly intertwined the two are given how many authors there are, how many different genres there are, how much time is between all the different. Um, it's, it's crazy to think about. Hey, everybody, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to watch or listen. Don't forget to like and subscribe and turn the bell notifications on so you always see when we come out with new content because we come out with new content every single week, two videos a week and shorts throughout the week, as well as different random stuff we'll put on social media. We also have, uh, with Basically Biblical, a new company we are starting, On Fire Productions. You can check them out on Instagram. Uh, a lot of really awesome content is going to be coming out with them music kids content movies tv shows anything that you can think of we're going to get into it and it's all going to be faith-based but you can go check them out on different social medias in the meantime there will be a video up here that we think that you will probably like as well as a playlist down here that should be um, more content that you will enjoy so thanks god bless